0: Online. My name is Christine and I'll be your online host for today. If this is your first time tuning in, we would love to welcome you. Please text me to 604-285-5770 or Or visit mythrive.info and we'll mail you your very own Thrive stainless steel water bottle. And attention all parents, don't forget to visit mythrive.info slash thrivekids so you can download the kids' activity for today and follow along during our kids' Zoom classes from 10.45 to 11.15 a.m. Our teachers are so excited to be with the kids and there will be kids' worship, a lesson, and games. So come join us. So who here has been snacking a lot at home? I certainly have been. I love snacks when I'm working or watching TV. So here's my question for you. Do you enjoy savory or sweet snacks more? Share in the chat room or turn person next to you and tell them if your team's savory or team sweet. see you tuning into Thrive Church Online. So take a selfie of yourself tuning into Thrive Church Online and post it on all of your social media platforms. And be sure to tag us at hashtag Thrive Church Online. All right, everyone, I'm so excited for today's message. So let's buckle up and let's get to it.
1: Everybody and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive, and I am so excited to welcome you here to Thrive Church Online. If you are new to Thrive, you are what we call our VIP. If this is your first time here joining us, we've got a special gift that we want to give to you. If you want to go to mythrive.info and you can touch the button that says New to Thrive, we have your very own stainless steel Thrive Church water bottle waiting just for you that we would love to. To send straight to your door, just to say thank you so much for joining us today. Can we give all of our VIPs and first time guests a big hand, a big shout, and welcome to church today? So great to have you here. And, you know, in fact, we've got a saying here at Thrive, which is a welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, would you welcome one other to church today? If you're sitting beside someone, would you give them a high five, a handshake, a hug, whatever whatever's appropriate, air high five if you need to. If you've got a chat room in front of you, would you talk to the people in your chat room right now and just say, it's so good to see you here. Let's welcome another to church today. You guys are a beautiful church inside and out. It is always such a joy to meet together and we are so glad to have you here today at Thrive Church online. Before we get into the message today, I just want to say it was such a joy to spend time with those of you who came to meet the pastors last Sunday. It was so great to see new faces here at Thrive that we've never had a chance to meet before. And you know, if you were there at Meet the Pastors or if you want to be there but you couldn't make it, we've got a special gift to give to you. It's the gift of two very special videos that we've made just for you. One is called Getting to Know Thrive Church. The other one is about salvation and baptism. And these are two very basic short videos that give you an idea of what we believe here at Thrive, our vision here at Thrive Church. And so if you're new to Thrive, whether or not you came to meet the pastors last week or not, I want to encourage you to get a copy of those videos. You can go and you can email us at info at just say give me those videos please or you can text us and just text us at 604-285-5770 text the word videos and we would be so happy to give that to you it's just as our gift to you to welcome you into the thrive church family it is so good to have you here with your neighbor and say it's so good to have you here praise god One more thing that is super exciting that's starting in just a couple weeks. It's called Thrive Discipleship School. TDS, it's one of the best things we do here at Thrive. It's a course that we've created here at Thrive, especially for people who want to grow in their relationship with God. And on February 7th, the next term, the next round of TDS is happening. And if you in 2021 are eager to grow in your relationship with God, then this course is for you. It's seven weeks, 10 powerful lessons and we actually just finished a term late last year in 2020, got a bunch of great feedback from that course as we usually do and this is what one person wrote. They said, I f-, they said after taking TDS, they said, I feel closer to God than I was before and motivated to continue my journey of walking with God. Before this course, I had no idea how to grow closer to God. I didn't have any practical ways to study God's word. I am now better off because I have tools to help me learn how to study God's word and how to make the most of personal time with God. Can you give God a big hand for that. Praise God for that. Awesome. Another person, they wrote, my favorite part of TDS was after each lesson, I found myself looking forward to the next week's lesson. I enjoyed taking from what I had learned that week and applying it to my daily life throughout the week. You're going to find that TDS is not just about academics or anything like that. It's about how you can grow in your relationship with God in the most practical ways. And so We encourage you, if you are wanting to grow in your relationship with God, this is your chance to do so. Take TDS. You can sign up at mythrive.info We'd love to see you here starting February 7th at Thrive Discipleship School. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'll see you at TDS. I'll see you at TDS. Praise God. You guys bring your Bibles here today. If you did, it's time to get those out right now. Maybe yours is a paper Bible like mine. Maybe yours is a phone that you download the Bible into. Whatever the case may be, if you have your Bible, would you grab that right now and just hold it up and you're like, this This is just a fun way that we do every single week here at Thrive to get our hearts ready for the message. Would you just say this with me in a big, loud voice right now? We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's Word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's going to come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, by the way, if you're new to church, or you're new to Christianity, you're new to Jesus and the Bible, we are so thrilled that you're here. We hope that you find that Thrive Church is a safe place where you can just be yourself, where you can find some community and some encouragement to help you as you begin the week. And if you've got questions, that hopefully if you go to mythrive.info, you access our website, that you're going to find resources to help you explore some of those questions at whatever point in the journey you might be in. And it's a huge welcome to you. We are so glad that you are here. Today we're starting a brand new series at Thrive. It is called Heart at Rest heart at rest. We're talking about how do you have a rested heart in a restless world? Because that, as you look around, it doesn't take a genius to see that there's a whole lot of unrest around us in this world. There's, of course, the crisis going on with COVID-19. There is, you know, political unrest. There is social unrest. There is economic and financial unrest for a lot of people during this time. And what we're looking at is how do you have a rested heart in the midst of all of this. And so I'm so excited to start the series with you. I want to begin by telling you something that happened to me just yesterday. You know, the fact is that over the past few months, I've been actually taking care of my parents-in-law's car they have a car that they've left here while they're somewhere else right now and they asked me to take care of it and so I will drive it from time to time I'll start it, you know, I'll drive it I'll go down the city with it sometimes and, and let me tell you this, is that over the past few weeks, I've been having some car trouble. Have you been having some car trouble? lately? I've been having some car trouble lately with this one car, is that, see, speaking of, it's kind of ironic we're talking about a heart at rest because I feel like I've got a restless car is that I'll be driving this car and in the middle of me driving on the road, this car will all of a sudden fall asleep, even for just a split second. I'll be driving, everything is on, all systems go, and all of a sudden, in a split second, everything will turn off, and the car is still going. It was kind of scary. And, and this would happen, you know, maybe, you know, once in a while, and I thought, that's kind of weird. And, you know, eventually, I, I, I went to my friend who owns an auto body shop. I said, hey, can you check this out? I'm not sure what's happening here, but it just kind of, it's, 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 like, it's like falling asleep on me as I'm driving. And, and he's like, okay, let me check it out. He checked out, he spent the whole day checking out. He couldn't find what was wrong with it. He's like, I, I guess it's okay. I, I think you just keep on driving and see what happens. And I was like, okay. Yesterday, I'm driving on the bridge, and all of a sudden, this car is not falling asleep just once in a while, but every 30 seconds, it's falling asleep. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I see on the dashboard, it says ESP malfunction. It says, you know, ABS malfunction. And if you don't know what those those terms mean, don't worry, because I didn't know either. And I I went and I I parked the car. I was getting kind of scared. I parked the car. I looked at the owner's manual. And it says, if your dashboard says ESP malfunction or ASP malfunction, call the dealership right away. I called right away, and they said, "You know what? It is so good that you checked the owner's manual and you called us because this is an emergency. You could have been in a serious accident if you didn't bring this in right now." And so we towed the the car. I took video of the towing because you know I wanted to make sure that the car was okay. Of course, I'm you know taking care of it for someone else, but I also wanted to show my younger son Caleb, who loves tow trucks, like, "Oh man, Daddy's car is being towed." he was like, yeah, and, and so and so I, I we took it there, and I'm so glad I consulted the owner's manual because otherwise I may have been in some really bad trouble. And see, here's the thing. Why do I mention that? It's because today we're talking about having a heart at rest. And how do you know that if you want a heart at rest, the best place to start is to consult the owner's manual of your life. It's called the Bible. It's called the Word of God. The Bible is the owner's manual for our lives. The Bible says that God formed our heart and considers everything we do. And so if you want to understand your heart better, how it works, and how you can have a heart that's at rest, then the best place you can start is the Bible, the Word of God. And see, the Bible t- talks a lot about having a heart that is at rest. Old Testament, New Testament, all over, it talks about having a heart that's at rest. And so in this series called Heart at Rest, we're looking at different places in the Bible that speak about having a heart that's at rest. And we're going to learn some lessons about how to have a restless heart in a restless world. We're also going to learn some important other lessons in the process. And so I'm so excited to start this brand new series with you called Heart at Rest. Turn a neighbor and say, get ready for a heart at rest. Get ready for a heart at rest. We're going to begin today's series, Heart at Rest, with a passage that is one of the most famous words from Jesus that you'll find in the Bible. It's Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 to 30. Would you read it with me in a big loud voice? Let's read it together right now. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light see today the message i'm here to share with you is called finding rest for your soul See, these are Jesus' most famous words among them. And in fact, you'll find that these words are plastered on billboards. They're plastered on people's walls. You know, there, Some people may find it as the, the, the background of your phone or your computer. Come to me, all you who are weary and, and, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Uh, these are famous words from Jesus. And, and here's the thing, is that if you want to understand how to have rest for your heart, rest for your soul as Jesus talks about it, then you need to understand what Jesus is talking about by rest rest for your soul. You need to understand what Jesus is talking about about how you experience rest for your soul. And see, today I want to unpack that with you a little bit because you understand these very famous verses. As, as famous as these verses are, as much as maybe some of you have even memorized these verses before, the fact is that you might not know some of the background behind these verses and it's important for us to understand it. See, Jesus, he said these words at a time when he was facing a lot of rejection in his life. See, Jesus, his ministry as a teacher, a preacher, a healer, Started with a bang where everyone was wowed by what he was doing. This guy teaches with authority we've never seen before. This guy's healing at a pace and at a rate and at a volume we've never seen before. And people are amazed. But how many of us know that just like anything that gets popular enough, eventually you gotta start to get haters, eventually you start to get critics, eventually you start to get people who just don't like you no matter what you do. And all of a sudden Jesus is starting to experience some rejection. And see, in Jesus' case, there are people, people he even knows well that are starting to turn away from him. There's a guy called John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin. He's a minister himself. He's at one time Jesus' biggest cheerleader. And if you read Matthew 11, just a little bit before these verses that we read today, you're going to see that even John is starting to doubt Jesus. He's like, is this really the guy? Is this the guy that I've been talking about? Is this really the guy who's for real? You know, other people are starting to turn from Jesus, saying, you know, I I don't like the stuff he's doing. I don't like the stuff he's saying. You know, this guy's demon-possessed. In some cases, entire towns were starting to turn away from Jesus. You know, Jesus, he performed most of his miracles in places like Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, these different towns. And all these towns were saying, get away from us. We don't want anything to do with you. We don't believe in you. And see, Jesus, he's experiencing some major rejection during this time. And so if you've been rejected in any kind of way, then guess what? Jesus totally understands how you feel. It just goes to show that, you know, with Jesus, you can live a perfect life and do it all right. And still you won't be able to please everybody. If Jesus can't please everybody, then you can't either. So don't even try to. The fact is, we want to live for the one and only, and we want to live for an audience of one, and we want to do that because that's where there is peace. If you believe that, say amen. See, how does Jesus deal with all this rejection that he's going through? He does something remarkable. In the midst of all this rejection that Jesus is facing, do you know what Jesus does? Jesus gives thanks Jesus gives thanks. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. It says, At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. See, in a time when Jesus was experiencing loss, rejection, disappointment, Jesus didn't focus on everything that was wrong. He focused on what was right. Jesus didn't focus on who he lost. He focused on who was left. Jesus didn't focus on who has has gone. He's focused on who he still got. He was focusing on the good. Like what we say here at Thrive, choosing an attitude of gratitude. No No one did that better than Jesus. And if you're here in this place, here's a lesson for you today. If you're dealing with some rejection, some disappointment today, here's a lesson for us from Jesus' life. When dealing with rejection, when dealing with disappointment, focus on the good and choose an attitude of gratitude. Amen. An attitude of gratitude will keep you afloat when your circumstances make you want to sink. An attitude of gratitude will keep you persevering and keeping going, not giving up even when you feel otherwise like doing so. It's about choosing the attitude of gratitude. Matthew 11, 25, 26 read it with me one more time it says at that time jesus said i praise you father lord of heaven and earth because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children yes father for this was your good pleasure what's jesus talking about see what let me begin by here's what jesus is not saying See, he's saying, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and you revealed them to little children. What is Jesus saying? He's not saying that in order to follow him and believe in him, you need to be dumb and stupid, you know, naive like a child, you know, so, you know, like so, so, so gullible and 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 kind of dumb that like a little child that you don't know anything, you just believe that's not what Jesus is talking about. You don't need to check your brains at the door before you follow Jesus. And in fact, Jesus says, love you, love Lord of God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Following Jesus is going to require the best of all of you. Amen. And see, Jesus is not saying, oh, you can, if you want to follow me, you need to be a dumb person to do so. He's not saying that. What Jesus is saying is this. He's saying that God is pleased to reveal himself, not to people who see themselves as so wise and learned, but God is pleased to reveal himself to people who have a humble attitude toward God who, like little children, are not afraid to admit that they need God. That's what Jesus means by you reveal yourself to little children. You know, one thing about kids is that kids are not afraid to express their need for their parents. Do you find that? you know, especially when they're really young. We know that really well right now. Pastor Charlie and I, man, we're not getting a whole lot of sleep right now because at any hour of the night, we will hear our little two-year-old Caleb saying at, a, at the top of his lungs at 3 a.m., 4 in the morning, "'Mama! Mama, come!' Mama! And if, she, and, and if mommy doesn't wake up in, in time, he'll say, Dada! I'm, I'm second choice. Right? I, I, Pastor Charles, first choice. Dada, come! And then when I go in, and, and I'll go in and, and he'll be, Where's mama? And, and that, that's the thing, is that kids are not afraid to admit their need for their parents. And see, that, that's the thing, is that Jesus is saying that if you want to understand God, if you want God to reveal things to you, if you want to know the rest that God makes available, it's about you relinquishing your assumption that you are so wise and learned and humbling yourself like a child and realize that you need God. Would you turn to your name and say, I need God, I need God. See, that's a theme you're gonna find all across the Bible is that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And and in fact, you're going to find that, you know, I, I like to say this, is that pride repels, humility attracts. Pride repels, humility attracts. That goes for our relationships with people. You know, when you, when you know someone who seems kind of arrogant, kind of boastful, kind of full of himself, that, that has this repulsive effect, right? You, like, eh, you, don't, you don't want to get close to someone like that. But when someone is humble, when they're not afraid to admit when they're wrong, when they're not afraid to admit and acknowledge their weaknesses, when they're transparent, when they're real, there's an attractive quality about that. But you know, that doesn't just go for your relationships with people. That goes especially for your relationship with God. Say God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's why Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the so-called wise and learned, and you revealed them to little children. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, January 20 is, uh, you know, the day of the presidential uh, inauguration in the U.S. And, you know, speaking of inauguration, we'll, if, if you read 1 Kings in the Old Testament, you've got Solomon who has been just inaugurated as the king of Israel. And you know what he says right after his inauguration? He prays a prayer. And this is what he says in 1 Kings 3, 7 to 12. He says, now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. See, Solomon, he doesn't assume that he's so wise and learned before God. Oh, look, so, oh, look I'm the king. I'm the king of the world. You know. Instead, he comes before God and says, I'm a little child. I have no idea what to do, and I need you desperately. God, would you give me a wise and discerning heart. And God was so pleased that Solomon had that request, that God didn't just give him wisdom and discernment. He also gave him so much else as well. And what's the lesson there is that God is pleased when we relate to him with a humble heart. With God, pride repels, but humility attracts. With God, pride builds walls, humility builds bridges. And see, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so if you want to experience more of God, it begins with having a humble heart toward him. The first step to a heart at rest is having an attitude of humility toward God, like little children. Amen. You know, maybe you've grown up in the church, or grown up in a Christian family, or gone to a Christian school, and in your head, you think you know all the answers. You know, every time there's a sermon, oh, I've heard this already. Oh, I know the answer to that. Every time there's a trivia question, oh, I know it already. But even though your head is so full of knowledge, it's like your heart has got no room for God. And it's like you've grown up hearing these things, but your heart is also hard at the same time. And Jesus himself could be preaching right in your face and he will be like, oh, when's lunch? It's because when it comes to experiencing the rest that God has for us, when it comes to experiencing the blessings God has for us, it begins with an attitude of humility. It's not that you know too much. It's because maybe you've lost sight of how much you need God after all. You see, what, what's the quickest way to get out of that rut? Say you're in that rut right, right now where you know, you've got a lot in your head but not very much in your heart. You've got a lot in your head but in, in your heart there's not a big big hunger for God. There's not a big desperation for God. In fact, if you had to be really honest, there's not a lot of humility in your heart. How do you get out of that? You know, let me give you one suggestion. Is that if you want to get out of that, you got to stop playing it safe with your faith is that maybe it's something where you've just been way too comfortable the way you've been living. And, and you haven't put yourself in a position where you need to exercise faith. You haven't put yourself in a place where you either it, it, either you bet on God or you're dead. Either, either God comes through or it's done, it's over. And see, I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe it's about starting to serve in a way you've never served before. You know, when I preach here on the stage, you know, it's like that for me. It's that it's not just me coming with all of the whatever gifts or talents that I. I think I might have, but it's me desperate for God to say, God, if you don't come through today, it's over. God, if you don't show up today, it doesn't matter what I say. I'm so desperate for you. Maybe you need to get yourself in a position like that, is that you're depending on God again, because pride repels, humility attracts, because God is pleased to reveal himself, not to those who think they're so wise and learned, but he is pleased to reveal himself to people who know that in front of him, they're just little children. Amen. Amen. Turn to neighbor and say, have a humble attitude toward God. Have a humble attitude toward God. That's you know, Matthew chapter 11, 25 and 26. Let's look at the next verse, verse 27. It says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. See, what's Jesus talking about? See, Jesus is teaching us something about the nature of God and how to get to know God. See, in this world, you're going to find that there are so many opposing views of who God is. You know, Jews and Muslims will say, there is one and only one God. You know, you talk to Hindus or, 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 or different types of Buddhism and, and you'll say, oh, there's, there's many gods. You know, Christianity presents this beautiful, mysterious picture of God where it's God as a trinity. It's three in one. It's God. There's one God who manifests himself, who shows up in the form of three persons, father, son, and and Holy Spirit. There's community and unity. It's three in one. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. That's talking about the Trinity. And see, in fact, the Trinity is how God can be love even before there was anyone else besides God is that before God created anyone else, because don't you need love? Don't you need people, other people? Doesn't there not just be you, but someone else in order for there to be love? The reason why God is love, even before there was anyone else in existence, it was just God. It says God himself is a community. He's three in one. And see, you see that in Matthew chapter 11, 27, you've got two of the three persons of the Trinity. You've got my Father, that's, the, the, that's the, the God, the Father. You've got Jesus, that's the Son. And see, not only is Jesus saying something beautiful and mysterious about the nature of God, but he's also saying something very offensive about the nature of God as well. What is he saying? Verse 27, read it again. It says, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. What is he saying? He's saying, unless you know me, and he's talking to some of the most religious people, he's saying, unless you know me, you can't know God. He's talking to people who all their lives have spent their their lives reading scripture, praying, and he's saying, hey, That doesn't mean anything unless you know me. And you're like, man, isn't that so exclusive? No wonder Christians are so bigoted and narrow-minded and exclusive in their thinking. Let me tell you this. Before you start kind of harping on Christians for being so exclusive, I gotta gotta say this to you, is that every perspective on religion is gonna have an element of being exclusive. Do you know that? Every, Every perspective. See, whenever anyone expresses a view about religion, there will always be this element of saying, these people got it right, these people got it wrong. There will always be an element of that, no matter how you cut it. For example, Muslims believe that if you want to go to heaven, you need to profess that you believe in Allah and that you believe in his prophet Muhammad. And if you don't, there's no way you're going to heaven. That is exclusive, right? Jews, they believe that there is one God, Yahweh. It's certainly not Allah. And so and, and so it's another thing. That's exclusive as well. Buddhism says that we are right, Hindus are wrong. In fact, Buddhism began as a response to Hinduism, and that's being exclusive. Atheists say there is no God, and there's nothing more than this physical, material world. And so all of you who believe there's a God, all of you are wrong. And so the atheist position basically excludes, what, 90? five percent of the entire world, you know, and you got agnostics who say, you know, all of you are so wrong to think that you're so right because, you know, no one can be confident about any of these things. And so the agnostic is being exclusive as well. They're saying, you know, none of you can really be right. And then and then and if if you try to be an inclusivist and you say, well, you know, everyone is right. You know, one plus one is two. One plus one is five. One plus one is seven. Doesn't matter how contradictory those are. Oh, you're all right. Well, not only are you being very contradictory, but you're also being exclusive. You know why? You're saying, you know what? You're not the one who's all right. You're not the, you're you're all, you all got a piece of the truth, but I got all the truth because I see that you're all right. And so basically what you're saying is you're excluding people as well. By being inclusive that way, you're actually missing the point. And in fact, that's how the Bahai faith started. It's all—it's all about those. It's every—everyone is right. Everyone is right. And and so, but in, so in, in saying that, they're basically saying everyone is wrong except for them. And see, so so with every perspective on religion, there's going to be this element of of exclusivity, no matter how you cut it. And so, if everyone's got their own take and everyone claims to be right, how do you know who's right? Well, to me, when when I was exploring issues of faith, when I was wrestling with issues of faith, when I was questioning certain things and I was studying different religions, you know, I was studying different philosophies, one thing that was a real clincher for me, something that really helped me, that started to direct me in the direction of Jesus was that when you look at all the different people who've ever said anything about God, whoever started a movement, started a faith, started a philosophy, started a religion, all of them, all of them, they would say a bunch of things about about God, about life, about death, about the afterlife, and then they would die. You never saw them again, except for one, Jesus Christ. Jesus, he not only said a bunch of things about God, a bunch of things about life and death and what happens after we die. Not only did he die, but he rose again. And and so it's almost like if you're gonna believe anyone, why don't you believe the one who's not dead anymore? That was the the thought that came to my mind was exploring issues of faith. And see, it's with all those things in mind, the need to be humble before God, that's verse 25, 26, the need to realize that Jesus is our way to God, that's verse 27. It's with these things in mind that Jesus gives us these most famous words in verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Those of you who are weary and burdened from all these different takes on religion and you don't know what to think, I will give you rest. Those of you who are weary and burdened because of an uncertain future, I will give you rest. Those of you who are weary and burdened because you're grieving someone you love, I will give you rest. He says to everyone who is restless, everyone who lacks rest, everyone who is weary, who's got a heavy burden that they're carrying today, he makes the invitation to every single person and says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And there's a lesson here for you. You can write it down today, is that if you want a heart at rest. Don't wait for God to come to you. You go to God. Don't wait for God to come to you. In fact, God has already come to you. He's already taken so many steps to get to you. Before you took a single step to God, God took a thousand steps toward you by sending Jesus Christ for you. All we ask you now is you take a step toward him. James chapter four, verse eight says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. In other words, you know what he's saying? Because before I used to read these verses, oh, that's kind of depressing. But you know what James is saying? He's saying you can come to God without pretending. You don't have to pretend to laugh. Pretend to be happy. It's okay if you're not okay. You can come to God just the way you are. You can come to God with your hopelessness. You can come to God with your grief. You can come to God with your confusion. You can come to God with your, your, with your depression. You can come to God with your, 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 your loss. You can do that because God loves you just the way you are. Amen? You might need to wear a mask these days to protect yourself and protect others, but you don't need to wear a mask when you come before God to somehow protect God from the real stuff that's going on in your life. God loves you the way that you are, so you can bring your burdens to him. Amen. You can bring your burdens of sin to him. You can confess them to him. You can bring your burdens of grief to him. You can bring your burdens of you know, pain and depression to him. You know, I remember the first time I learned just how freeing it is to come to Jesus with my burden. And it was lot, sometimes there's even people who talk about your come-to-Jesus moment, and they say it not in terms of, you know, of faith, but they kind of just kind of in a, in a mocking kind of way, oh, that was your come-to-Jesus moment. Let me tell you, this is one of my come-to-Jesus moments where I was in, I was in grade 12, and at the time, I was the president of our high school's student council, and and and, and I was working with our student council in this in, my, in our final year of high school to create this kick-off barbecue event. We're going to kick off the, the whole brand new year at our high school. We're going to welcome all these new students to come in, and it was going to be this huge event. We had hundreds of students coming in, and, and, and we had this huge event. It was on a weekend. I remember it was on school property, and we worked so hard to make the event happen. When the event started, everything seemed to be going well. It was like, like people were having fun. Music was going. You know, you know, people have got to slip and slide on the, on the, on the field. Was just, everything was fun. Everything was good. But toward the end of the night, one of the, one of the teacher chaperones, he comes up to me and my friend who's also on the student council. And he says, you guys are in so much trouble. You guys are in such big trouble. And he used other words that I can't repeat here right now. And, and he said, you, how, like, how could you guys do this? And I was, like, I was like, what happened? He said, we found three of your students drinking alcohol on school, on school property. And and that's reason for suspension or expulsion or worse. Not just them, but you guys as well. And and I was like, oh my goodness, are you serious? And and you know at that point, you know, I was like, what are we gonna do? And so and so we, my, 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 my friend and I, you know, we, we get into the car and we don't know what to do. <laughs> Luckily, my friend, he's a Christian. I'm a Christian at that time as well. And all we know how to do is to pray. We didn't know what else to do. And we just, like, in the middle of the night, as we're driving, I think to church, because <laughs> we had a church event after this, we're driving to church, and we're giving our burdens to God. And, you know, I'd grown up in church thinking I was so wise and learned, you know, that I knew every answer and all that stuff. And, and, it, was, and it was one of those things where, um, you know, I, I used to hear this song in Sunday school, uh, which is, I cast all my cares upon you. I lay all of my burden down at your feet. And, uh, you know, I, I'd always hear that song. I'd be, my, my arms would be folded. I'm, I'm like, what is this? But on that day, as I'm riding in the car with my friend, all of a sudden I realized, you know what? I have no, have no idea how we're going get to get through this. And so we start praying to God, and actually we start singing that song. So I cast all my cares upon you. I lay all of my burdens down at your feet. And any time that I don't know just what to do, I will cast all my cares upon you. And and it was one of those things where you might be, oh, J.B., it's no big deal. That's just high school, man. But I, I can tell you this, is that in the middle of that car, God used that moment in a really powerful way, where me and my friend Chris, we're in the car, and I can feel God's presence in a way that I'd never felt it before. And it was one of those things where, like, I used to I used to frown on that song. I used to fold my arms to that song, but I'm now I'm using that song to cast my cares upon God. And praise God, I can't tell you the whole story about how things unfolded. Uh, we weren't expelled. We were people weren't suspended, but rather we see we saw God do some pretty cool things. But the whole lesson that I learned on that particular night was that it is amazing when you have. Jesus that you can give your burdens to. Because when you give your burdens to Jesus, he doesn't just take your burden, but he gives you something in return. You know what he gives you? He gives you his peace. He gives you this peace that passes understanding. That's what Philippians 4 in the New Testament talks about. It says, you do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, you know, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's like, it's like, you can't, you can't explain it. You can't understand it. It's like the circumstances haven't changed, but what happens is something changes in your heart. You go from stressed to at rest. You go from, you know, being like, you know, kind of stressed out of your mind to realizing, you know, God is in control. He's greater than the situation. There's peace in my heart. And it happens when you humble yourself before God and you surrender your burdens to him. Is there a burden that you need to surrender to God right now? someone in your life that you're worried about, a relationship that is not where you want it to be. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's your economic situation. Maybe you're waiting for news and you're still waiting. And you're like, well, how long, how much longer are you supposed to wait? You know, you can give that burden to God. When you give that burden to God, he will give you something in return. He will give you his peace. That's why 1 Peter chapter five, verse seven says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Would you tell me when we say, God cares for you. God cares for you. What's the lesson in all of this? Is that if you want a heart that's at rest, if you want to find rest for your soul, you want to get in the habit of giving your burdens to Jesus. Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Last point, we're going to close today. You guys know that a big part of finding rest for your soul, a big part of having a heart that's at rest is giving your burdens to Jesus. But let me tell you something that might surprise you, confuse you before I explain it is that finding rest for your soul, finding a heart that's at rest, is not just about giving your burdens to Jesus. It's about letting Jesus give his burden to you. Let me say that again. If you want to truly find a heart at rest, it's not just about you giving your burden to Jesus. It's about letting Jesus give his burden to you. What do I mean by that? Look at Matthew chapter 11. It says, take my yoke upon you, And learn from me. See, what is a yoke? Do you know what a yoke? We're not talking about an egg yoke, kind of you crack an egg, oh look at the yoke. No, I'm not talking about that kind of yoke. We're talking about something else. Let me just say this first off. Is you know, a yoke is another word in the Bible for a burden In the Old Testament especially, you're going to find numerous references to how God, he breaks the yoke. Again, not an egg yoke, but he breaks the yoke over the Israelites that was over them because of a people that were oppressing them. He talks about it over and over. I'm breaking the yoke. I'm removing from your neck the yoke that was upon you. A yoke is another word for a burden. And see, how many of us know that God, he's in the business of removing burdens, but he's actually in the business also of giving us a very special burden. We're going to talk about that right now. See, a yoke is a burden, but a yoke is more than that. In the farming industry, a yoke is a tool that you use to plow the ground. Let me give you an example by asking my, my, my dear friend Ryan right now to come up to the stage. Could you give Ryan a big hand right now in this place? Praise God. Praise God. All right. So I, I'm going to do this Is you know, I, I use this hockey stick for a lot of different things, but I'm going to use this today as a yoke because we don't, we're not farmers. We don't have a yoke, a uh, you know, real yoke to use. So we're going to use this hockey stick here. I'm going to pretend that, that Ryan and I, we are oxen. All right, all right, and uh, we're a pair of oxen that are supposed to plow the ground together, and this is our yoke. Notice that you know Ryan; he, he's even muzzled right now. He's he's like muzzled like an oxen. The Bible says don't do that, but we're going he's gonna wear a mask anyways. Uh, and so here we go. We're gonna we're gonna put this yoke on us right now. Okay, okay, and uh, and here's the thing: is that a yoke is a yoke is a farming tool that attaches two oxen or sometimes two donkeys together. And there's usually a lead oxen. And there's an oxen that leads, there's an oxen that follows. And together, they are bound by this yoke, such that one can't go in one direction without the other one's cooperation. One can't go in one place without the other one following. And so that's what a yoke is. And so that's why sometimes the Bible says, you know, be careful who you yoke yourself to. Be careful not to get codependent on someone who's going in a different direction as you. That's what the Bible warns against. But it does say you want to yoke yourself to Jesus. Now pretend this. Pretend this, because Jesus has Take my yoke upon you. I want to pretend that 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 uh, that uh, Ryan is an oxen. Uh, Ryan, can you give you your best oxen uh, noise right now? Mm-hmm. A little bit louder, please. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's an oxen right now. But I, I want you to pretend that, that, that Ryan is not just an oxen. But I want to pretend that he's also the lead oxen of this pair. I want you to pretend that, G, that, that this is Jesus right now. I'm JB, and this is Jesus. All right? All right, you guys ready? And this is what happens. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. In other words, let's take on this yoke. that The yoke that Jesus has, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get under that yoke, and I'm going to let Jesus be the lead oxen. And he's going to lead me where we go. And so I'm not going to take a step until he takes a step. So why don't you take a step? Yeah, you you, you lead me. You lead me. Yeah, look at that. This is Jesus leading me. This is Jesus leading me. Look at that. That's right. That's right. Can you give Ryan, uh, i.e., the, the lead oxen, a big hand right now? Praise God for him. Thanks so much. Praise God. See, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, what is he saying? He's saying, let me give you a burden, and the burden is—and it's funny how he calls it a burden—but that burden is a relationship with Him, where no longer are you in the lead role, where you're calling the shots and you're telling people where to go. But now you're following Jesus and you are in relationship with Jesus such that wherever you go, Jesus is right by your side. Because wherever you go, you've got someone stronger, someone bigger than you. Notice how how much Ryan had to stoop down just to be in a yoke with me. That's that's Jesus, right? He stoops down to make us great. And, and And see, in the same way, you have a lead ox. His name is Jesus Christ, who says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Jesus, when he says, take my yoke upon you, what he's really saying is come into a relationship with me. Not just follow me from a distance, but I want a close relationship with you. You know, I, I, And one of the best ways I can illustrate how to take the yoke that Jesus wants to give you and me is through this one final story. Is that, um, I can remember this happened a while back, is that... Um, uh, my family and I were in our car. It's a 2005 Honda Odyssey. I still drive it to this day. It's a, it's a minivan and uh, It's a snowy day, and we're trying to go up this big hill. It's like a mountain. We're, we're trying to go up this big hill and I'm a little worried because I'm like I might like, like this car does not do well in snow and, and so we're going up this hill and about a third of the way up the hill everything stops. We're going up the third of the mountain. Everything stops, and we're like, oh my goodness, we're not going forward anymore. We're, we're kind of stuck. The wheels are spinning. We're slipping back a little bit. There's a cliff right beside us, and we're like, oh my goodness, this is a little scary, and we tried to do everything we could to go up that hill ourselves. You know, we almost got in the back uh, 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 behind the car. We started to push. Didn't d- didn't do anything. You know, some of us like, oh, maybe we've got too much weight. Let's take off some of the weight. And it uh, didn't do anything. Like, oh, maybe we've got not enough weight. Let's put on more weight. Let, let didn't do anything and, and we have people who are coming down the mountain like hikers coming down the mountain they're saying uh are you guys okay do you need help i th- we're like uh i i, I think we're kind of stuck they're like uh let me ask ask you does your car have four-wheel drive like uh no does it have all-wheel drive uh no what what kind of car do you have oh it's uh it's 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 front-wheel drive they're like you got to go back down this mountain man there's no way you're going to come back up this thing you're you're, you're stuck you got to go back down and, you know, we, we and so there's nothing we could do in our own power to get up this mountain. Nothing. And so we go back down. Like I, I reverse back down <laughs> Like I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like there's a cliff here. We're going down and it was kind of dangerous. We're going down this hill, this mountain. And at the bottom of the mountain, we meet this cab, this taxi tra- cab driver. He says, hey, do you guys need help going up? We're like, yeah. Can you get us up there? He's like, hop in my car, hop in my vehicle and I'll take you guys up. And so we all, we, we all hop in his car. I, I get into the passenger seat. And this guy, he, 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 I think his name is Doug. Like Doug, he, 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 he takes us in his car, which has all-wheel drive. Not front wheel, not rear wheel, not even four-wheel drive, but he has all-wheel drive. It's not the best-looking car, but man, it had power to go up all the way to the top of that mountain. And I was sitting in the passenger seat going, man, this is so easy. I feel so light right now. This is amazing. And uh, I hope my car is okay. But we got up to the top of the car, or the top, top of the mountain. And, and and why do I mention that? Why, why am I telling you a story about a time, a day when JB couldn't get it up? I'm talking about the car. Why, why is that? It's because, believe it or not, believe it or not, this story is a lot about what Jesus did for us when he said, take my yoke upon you. He's saying, you know what? You want to ascend to where God is? There's no way you're going to get there on your own power. If I think that I can get to God on my own power, by my own merit, then either two, one of two things is happening. Either my view of God is way too, big, way too small, or my view of myself is way too big. But the fact is, the Bible says, no matter what you do, no matter how good you think you are, we will never be as good as God. We can never, on our own power, get to God on our own. There's nothing that we can do to get there. And if we try, we're just going to be stuck. But the fact is, because God loved us. He said, you know what? Because I don't want to be apart from you. Because I don't want to be apart from you now. I don't want to be apart from you for eternity. Because I love you. Because I want a relationship with you. Then I'm going to do something so you can get up here. I'm going to come down in the form of Jesus Christ, God's son. And... Jesus would ascend the hill. He would ascend the hill called Calvary and die on the cross for our sins. And not only would he do that, he was to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus, he ro- he died on the cross for our sins and then he rose again from the grave to show that Jesus is no ordinary man. He is who he always claimed to be and what the scriptures always said he would be is that he is the son of God and Jesus, because he is, he's got power that we don't have to ascend the mountain of the Lord. Lord, and because of Jesus Christ and his power, not because of me and my power, but because Jesus allowed me to take on his yoke and be in relationship with him and I trust his power to get me up there, I can get up to where God is because Jesus came down to where I am. Oh, come on, give God a big hand, a big shout to this place right now. And because of that, because of that, that's why we have forgiveness. Because of that, that's why we have hope, not just for now or tomorrow, but for eternity. It's because when we were disqualified from being with God, God's made a way for us to be with him. He sent Jesus Christ and said, "'Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, "'for I'm gentle and humble in heart, "'and you will find rest for your souls. "'For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light.'" You know, In Judaism, they they say, certain sects of Judaism will say that there's 613 laws that you need to obey. That's a heavy burden. Can you imagine that? Every day, you're thinking about 613 different rules you need to obey. That's a heavy burden. You know, in Islam, there are these five pillars that you need to obey. And you know, one day you're going to be judged based on how well you obeyed. That's a heavy burden. You know, Jehovah Witnesses—they've got you know a quota where they go door to door because they want to meet a certain quota, so that somehow God will look at them and go, "Okay, uh, you did enough. You can come and meet me here." That's a heavy burden. You know, Buddhism is talking about how we're constantly working through the cycle of suffering and trying to detach ourselves from the world. And if you can finally detach yourself enough, enough completely such that you never have any more desires, then you, you've you've been enlightened and you've reached nirvana. But if you have even just a speck of desire left in your life, if you, if, you, if you have even just a speck of sin, then you are reincarnated into something else. That is a heavy burden. And see, let me tell you today, Let me tell you that when you don't know where you're going to go after you die, that is a heavy burden. But because Jesus Christ didn't want us to be so restless and heavy, because he wanted us to have rest for our soul, a heart at rest, he says, take my yoke upon you. And that's what he did. His yoke is easy. Jesus' yoke is light. And if you want a heart at rest, it's about those two things, is come to Jesus humbly like a little child and give him your burden. But don't stop there. After you give him your burden, let Jesus give you his burden, which is a relationship with him, where he's in the driver's seat, where we're following his lead. We're going where he wants us to go. And in so doing, you find a heart more and more that's at rest. Have you received something today in this place, church? Would you've got a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now, praise God. Turn your neighbor and say, you can have a heart at rest. You can have a heart at rest. There might be a storm going on all around you right now, but your heart can be at rest when you come to Jesus. And we're going to do that right now. I'm going to encourage you right now is to not worry about your neighbor who's with you or people in the chat room, what they're writing. This is just between you and God right now. I want you to focus on this and make this your moment right now. Don't miss this moment. Don't be so wise and learned. Become like a, be, be like a little child right now, just like me. Just be a little child before God. And I want going to do two things today. Maybe you've never done this before, but I'd encourage you just to do this and just do it with an open heart, an open mind, a humble heart. The first thing Jesus says, and these are two things that Jesus talks about when it comes to having a heart at rest, finding rest for your soul. Number one, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And uh, I want to invite you to do just that right now. So I want you to take a moment, take a minute right now. We're not going to take a whole lot of time, but we're just going to even a minute right now where you can bring your burden to God. You can come to God and bring your burden, even in the quietness of this moment right now. As the music is playing, we just do that right. Don't worry about your neighbor. It doesn't concern them. Don't waste this moment just focusing on them. Focus on God. Because he's got an invitation he's making to you, which is to say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Is there a burden you need to give God today? Even right now, you can, in your own words, just start talking to God and say, God, I give you that burden. Maybe there's some sins you need to confess to God. Praise God, when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He'll forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So you can give that to God and say, God, I confess that. I confess my lust. I confess my lack of self-control. I confess my envy and my jealousy towards someone. I, inf- I confess my hatred towards someone. I confess, you know, my, my bitterness. I confess my complaining attitude. You can just come before God and just confess those things. Confess them. Give that burden to God. Maybe maybe it's not a sin you need to confess. Maybe it's another burden. Maybe you know, it, maybe it's a grief. It's, maybe it's grief in your life right now. Maybe you're suffering some loss right now. You say, God, I give you everything right now. I give you everything that happened. I give you how I'm feeling right now. I give you, you know, the the little hope or, that I'm feeling right now the lack of it right now, I give that to you. Just come to God just as you are. Come to God just as you are, because he loves you. Would you start doing that right now? Don't even wait for me to stop talking. Would you start talking to God right now? Wherever you are right now, wherever you're watching the service, would you just start talking to God right now? Would you give your burden to him? Maybe it's uncertainty about your future. Maybe you're kind of waiting for news, and, and you're still waiting. You're not really sure what's going to happen. You can give it to God. You can give it to God. Give your burden to him. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you realize today that, that, you, that you have acted as if you're so wise and learned. And because of that, there's no heart for God. Your, your your heart your head is full, but your heart is empty. If that's you can confess that to God today and say, God, I, I confess that my, my heart is pretty empty toward you. I ask you to help me. I confess that to you. Would you give that to God right now? Give that to God right now. He says, come to me, all you who are weary
2: and burdened. Praise God.
1: Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father, you know everything about us. You're the one, the Bible says, who formed our heart, and you consider everything we do. And so you know the intricate details of the lives of every single person who's watching the service right now. And though I don't know the, the details of their lives, you do, and I pray for them today that as we present our burdens to you, we thank you that we can do that. We thank you that you're not a God who requires us to pretend, who requires us to wear a mask, or requires us to be someone we're not, but you love us just the way we are, so much so that you're willing to receive even the darkest, hardest parts of our lives. So we thank you so much for that. We give you our burdens. We give you our questions. We give you our doubts. We give you our frustrations. We give you our grief. We give you uh, whatever it is, our sins, we give to you. We confess them before you right now. And we say thank you so much that you are the God who bears our burden. Not only did you bear the burden of sin for us at the cross, not only did you conquer the burden of death when you rose again, but even more, you are also faithful to help us with whatever burden we're going through right now. If you conquered the mountain of sin, the mountain of death, how will you not help us to conquer whatever other mountain we're dealing with today? So we thank you today. Thank you that nothing is impossible for you. And because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and he rose again from the grave, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Amen. Amen. One more thing we're going to do is that we're going to do the second thing that Jesus says. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. That's an invitation to a relationship with him. And if you've never opened up your heart to receive Jesus Christ into your life, you've never invited Jesus to come into your life, you've never invited him to forgive you of your sins and to invite him into your life, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. And inviting Jesus into your life is as simple as praying a prayer. It doesn't matter as much the words that you say, as much as the attitude of your heart, coming to God with a humble heart, but we're going to give you a prayer that you can pray just to just guide you and to put some parameters around what we're doing right now. And that if you know that you need Jesus, you want to receive Jesus, you want to invite Jesus into your life, you want his forgiveness for sin, Uh, then I want to encourage you right now to go and just click that link that's in your chat room or you can use a device and just scan the QR code that you see on your screen right now. And what it's going to do is, when you click that link or you scan that code, it's going to take you to a prayer that you can pray to receive Jesus Christ into your life. And just so that you don't feel like you're doing this all alone, I'm I'm going to pray this prayer with you. And so we'll just do that right now. If you want to, you know, if you want to pray to receive Jesus Christ into your life, can I invite you to just do that right now? Would you scan that code? Would you click that link? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Don't be afraid. This is you can look at the prayer before you pray it if you want, but this is this is simply us asking Jesus to be a part of our lives, to be the king of our lives. And when we do that, something amazing happens. We're forgiven of our sins, we become children of God. If that's you and you want to pray that prayer, then I'm gonna pray that prayer with you right now. Is that whether you see that on your screen or not? Um I'm going to pray this prayer with you. Why don't you pray this prayer? Why don't you lift up your hand to God? This is an expression of how much you need him today. Would you pray right now to God and just pray this, repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart. I ask you, please forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust, not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. If you're wondering what amen means, it something means I agree. And if you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, praise God. What that means is that you are a child of God. You are forgiven of your sins. You are a citizen of heaven. You have hope for eternity and the best is yet to come. So a huge congratulations to those of you who prayed that prayer just down. In fact, we got a special gift to give you to just say congratulations on that. Uh, it's nothing really spiritual. It's just a, it's, it's a coffee mug that looks a little bit like this. It's even got a little gift card to Starbucks that you can use just to uh, say congratulations on the special one, but in that, on top of that, we also got a couple gifts on top of that. Resources to help you in this journey with God that you're on uh, as you start this relationship with Jesus. So, big congratulations to you. If you want that gift, click the link that's in your chat room right now or just go down to the end of that prayer that you saw, that you prayed, and just you know follow the steps there. Another thing is this, if you're interested in getting baptized, baptism is just the next natural step after receiving Jesus into your life. Baptism is you simply saying, I am a sinner who needs a Savior. His name is Jesus, I believe that. That's you getting baptized. We dunk you in water. Really simple, really joyful, happy day. If that's you, and you want to do that, you go to mythrive.info and even uh, sign up for baptism and learn more about what that is. Uh, you can go to mythrive.info for that. One more thing before I ask the, the band to come and lead us in a song is uh, we're going to give our tithes and our offerings. Those of you who call Thrive Church your home church, you just believe in the work that God is doing here. It's time to give our faithful tithes, our generous offerings. No, that when we seek God's kingdom first, He adds what? He adds everything we need. And so, because of Jesus and all that He's done, because it's all about Him, let's give to his kingdom. Let's invest in what he's doing, knowing that not only does he add everything we need, but he builds his church through us as well. For the glory of God, for the hope of people, let's do that right now. Let's give our very best to God. Let's sing the song at the same time.
2: And you are forever in my life. You see. Whatever is on your heart, Jesus. You'll never let me go. Sing hallelujah with me.
1: God. One last thing. Jesus says, in addition to come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, in addition to saying, take my yoke upon you, he also says, learn from me and if you want to learn and grow in your relationship with God once again you want to sign up for Thrive Discipleship School if you've never taken it before then I encourage you to sign up go to mythrive.info to sign up for Thrive Discipleship School growing your relationship with God starting February 7 you don't want to miss it if you've taken it before some people find that taking it again it's even more precious the second time around so encourage you to take that that's it for us today let me just end with a prayer for each and every one of you and we're gonna close off today Heavenly Father I want to thank you so much that it's all about your son, Jesus. We are here because of him. We've got breath in our lungs because of him. We're alive because we're here to worship Jesus. We're expectant because we're here to grow more like him. We're involved using our talents to serve you. We're out loud. We're here to share the love of Jesus with the people around us, our cities, the world around us. We're united as a church family, all because of you. And we just say thank you so much that because Jesus Christ is alive, we have hope for tomorrow. We have hope for eternity. No matter what we might be facing today, we can say the best is yet to come. And so with all that in mind, we pray all of your blessing, your hope, joy, wisdom, strength, healing, faith, your Holy Spirit and wisdom to fill every single person here until we next meet again. We thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. That brings us to a close here at Thrive Church Online. You guys are an amazing church, we love you guys. We'll see you guys next week for Heart at Rest. Have an amazing Sunday and a great start to your week. Love you guys, God loves you. We'll see you guys really soon. Take care, everybody.
0: That concludes our first episode of our Heart at Rest message series. Thank you so much, Pastor JB. I definitely learned a lot today. Alright, let's jump into some announcements before we end off. Once again, if this is your first time visiting us, let us know by texting new to 604-255-770 or visit mydrive.info and we'll mail you your very own Thrive stainless steel water bottle. It's our way to thank you for spending your time watching the Sunday service today. All right, if you prayed the prayer earlier to receive Jesus Christ today, congratulations! Let us know by texting BELIEVE 604-285-5770 or visit mythrive.info and click, I want to receive Jesus today. We prepare a gift that includes a series of videos that may answer some of your questions about Christianity. It'll be mailed right to your door and we hope they'll guide you on the right path to follow Jesus. Also, if you'd like to get baptized or find out more about baptism, go to mythrive.info Baptism Thrive Discipleship School, also known as TDS, is happening February 7th to March 21st. TDS is an online course that helps you build a strong foundation for your growing relationship with God. This course is completely online and the registration deadline is February 7th. For more information or to sign up, please go to mythrive.info. I really enjoyed today's message. Did you take any good notes today? Because I sure did. Let me share something with you that I wrote down. I learned that if you want to have a heart at rest, don't wait for God to come to you. You go to Him. Now, join us next week for episode two of our Heart at Rest message series. And remember to invite all of your friends and family. Speaking of having a heart at rest, one of the best ways to have a rest of heart is to join us at our Zoom prayer meeting that happens every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. The Zoom meeting information is on the screen right now and we'll post the Zoom link in our Facebook group. So be sure to search and join our Facebook group at Drive Church Online Community. All right, everyone, that's it for this week. Thank you so, so much for joining us this week. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings online at mythrive.info. I hope you all have a lovely Sunday morning. I'll see you all next week right here at Thrive Church Online.
2: Bye!